0: Hey, this is Dr. Priyanka Venugopal, and you're listening to the Unstoppable Mom Brain Podcast, episode 46, Sex and Relationships with Maggie Reyes. It is Valentine's Day. I have a love, not so loving relationship with holidays like Valentine's Day. Growing up, I remember I used to cherish these days It almost felt like as a kid, it just felt fun because we were doing arts and crafts and activities that celebrated specific holidays like Valentine's Day. I even remember dropping those little valentines into everybody's cubbies and then coming home with a bag full of sweet cards and little toys that just felt so fun. But somewhere along the way, especially for Valentine's Day, it kind of started to take a downward spiral. Somewhere along the way, it turned into expectations and somehow the actions that I took or that I expected my partner to take defined how much we loved each other or how much we appreciated each other. And then we got to post it on Instagram or Facebook for everybody else to see. Or worse yet, if you don't get the flowers or the box of chocolates or the candle at dinner, you feel like, see, there's no love here. And we start comparing and despairing to everything else we're seeing on social media. I remember that that was a phase of my life that my thoughts and feelings about Valentine's Day totally swung in the other direction. And I used to think this is just a bunch of crap. So I have finally swung all the way back around and... I have started to have fun again with holidays like today, like Valentine's Day, and I have really been taking it through a filter. If I want to feel special, if I want to feel love, if I want to feel appreciated, I get to go first. I'm telling you this has been such a game changer and it's been allowing me to bring fun back and my agency back. I'm not relying on somebody else or something else to create that experience for me. I'm not relying on flowers or a Hallmark card or a romantic invitation to feel appreciated and loved. If it happens, amazing. And if not, I'm still fine. Honestly, this has just been such a game changer and I had to share it with you at the intro of this episode, which is all about relationships. I'm so happy to bring you this episode with master coach Maggie Reyes on a day like today, which symbolizes love. Maggie is a marriage coach for high-achieving women. She has a brilliant podcast called The Marriage Life Coach Podcast, and she has a group called The Marriage MBA. You're going to hear all about it in today's episode, and you can get all of her information over at the show notes page at the end of this episode. What drew me to have her on this podcast is one of the points that she emphasizes in her coaching and in her teachings, the power of one. When you change, your relationships start to change. I love this conversation so much, and I cannot wait for you to enjoy it. Before we dive into my conversation with Maggie, I want to make sure that you know that the Unstoppable group is currently open for enrollment until this Friday. This is my intimate six-month coaching experience for high-achieving working moms who just want to feel better, more powerful, and lose weight at the same time living their real life, this group has everything for you to succeed, and there are a limited number of spots, so make sure you do not wait to book your consult with me, and let's figure out if we are going to be a best fit. You can head on over to theunstoppablemombrain.com forward slash connect to grab your consult spot. Consults are free, and they are designed to help determine whether we are going to be best fit to work together. We'll talk about you, your goals, and how our work inside the group is different than anything that you have ever done. Doors are closing on Friday, and consult spots are already going, so don't wait another moment to grab yours. Without further ado, let's get into my conversation with Maggie Reyes. If you want to reach your ideal weight and create lightness for your body, you need to have simplicity, joy, and strategic decisions infused into your life. I'm a physician turned life and weight loss coach for ambitious, working moms. I've lost over 60 pounds without counting points, calories, or crazy exercise plans. Most importantly, I feel calm and light on the scale and in my life. There's some delicious magic when you learn this work and the skills I'm going to be teaching you. Ready? Let's get to it. Hey, Maggie. Welcome, welcome to the podcast. I am so incredibly excited to have you. And to everyone listening, I've already introduced you once, but I want you to introduce yourself because you are a absolute powerhouse when it comes to relationships. I think healing relationships, having, I think a type A high achieving women feel more powerful in their relationships, which is why I wanted to have you on the podcast. So welcome. Thank you for coming and tell us who you are and who you help.
1: Okay. Hi, everyone. And thank you for having me on the podcast where I just feel I'm having fun already. So, so much fun. So, my name is Maggie Reyes. I am a master certified life coach. I uh, help type A women have better marriages. I like to name things. So, I've created many of my own titles. So, I call myself a modern marriage mentor because a lot of the things I talk about in my coaching practice are mentorship thing. So there's coaching where we look for the answer from inside you and and what your highest wisdom is guiding you to do. And then there's research tells us that if you cultivate your friendship, you're going to have a better time. So I'm just going to tell you to cultivate friendship. So I do both coaching and mentorship. And I love talking about relationships. One of my favorite sort of outcomes that a lot of my clients have is they come to me for help in the romantic relationship. And then they're like, but all of my relationships got better. Like my relationship with myself, my relationship with my parents or my children or my coworkers or my boss. So if you're listening to this and you're like, Hey, she's a marriage coach. I'm not married. Just sit back, relax, enjoy the ride. <laughs> enjoy gonna, this conversation. <laughs> you're you're going to take something away and you'll see like, Oh, that's right. So I just invite that person.
0: <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Absolutely. You. Hi.
0: That's right. Yeah. So good. And also, let's not forget, you are the host of a very popular podcast, the Marriage Life Coach Podcast, which after this conversation, I think that so many people listening are going to run over there and start listening because I really think of Maggie as someone that has so much wisdom to share, especially, and I I love that you said that it's not just a romantic partnership, that that's, I know who you work with primarily, but this is like relationships in every corner of our life. And I love that you said, especially the relationship with ourself. And I wonder for you, because the reason that I even wanted to have you on was you mentioned something. I had Maggie come on for my group, the unstoppable group. She came on and she did a workshop for my clients and it was amazing. And I just loved it. And I don't know if you remember, I was like raising my hand for you to like coach me during the workshop. I was like, okay, Maggie, hold on. I have a hypothetical scenario. (laughs) <laughs> and it's like never hypothetical, but uh, you, you mentioned something, a concept uh, in the workshop, and I was hoping that you kind of explore it and talk about it today. You talked about the power of one, and I think that this is so incredibly helpful. Can you describe the power of one, how it can, let's just start with just describing, how do you describe the power of one?
1: Okay, so here's how this came about. I work with individuals, helping individual humans who identify as women, have better marriages. And there's a cultural narrative in our society that it takes to tangle, that you need both of you, that if both of you aren't either doing couples coaching or couples counseling together, then it's not going to work or something like that. And I really had to understand for myself, because I, I started out just working with individuals and it was working. And I said, wait, what's going on? What's happening here? And so in my own process of deepening my own understanding, having coached individuals and seeing it work. What I found was in psychology, there's a wonderful theory called systems theory, and it's a very simple hypothesis, which is when one element in a system changes, the other elements in the system respond to the change. They respond. That doesn't mean they do everything you ever wanted them to do. Somebody listening to us right now needs to know that. They simply respond. What happens is if there's a foundation of love in your relationship, that response is going to build and harness and cultivate that foundation of love. I always like to say that some of you think you're married to jerks, but you're just married to good people having a bad day. And some of you really are married to jerks. And if you are, that's data we want to have. I'm going to figure that. out. So in essence, the power of one is really this idea that one person can change the world and one person can change a marriage and then we test it and we see how that works and what that looks like. But no matter what you're going through in your life, we all know people like Steve Jobs, right? Steve Jobs changed technology. Did he have a whole team of people helping him? Yes. But did he come with a vision that technology could be elegant and simple and clean, right? And then from there, all of these other things, and then all the groups of people that helped him do that, right? I love Oprah Winfrey. I grew up watching her on TV. It's like one woman with one show was like the TV mom for a whole generation, right? And I don't know anyone who grew up with Oprah like I did, we remember doing gratitude journals and writing things we were grateful for or um, decluttering when she would have her decluttering, you know, shows or I still remember she bought, there were sheets for your bed made of T-shirt material. And at the time, it was the coolest thing you could ever imagine because sheets for your bed were never made of other Materials. I don't know back then. And I was like, well, Oprah has t-shirt sheets. I'm getting t-shirt sheets, right? So one person in in many industries and in many cases can have such a huge impact on the world. So just imagine on your family.
0: Right. I feel like the truth of that resonates for me particularly. and, And I'm going to use myself as an example just because you and I are talking. But I think that what I see come up really often, especially for high achievers, and we both serve high achieving women, is this dichotomy where high-achieving women are working really hard and they are like go-getters, they get the job done. They're like the A-plus gold star students that are really accomplishing so much in their life. Like They have the categorized list of things to do and they're doing amazing at work. And I think that there is a sense, and tell me what you think and how the power of one kind of plays into this. There's a sense that they're doing so much already, That in their partnership, they don't want to have to do, there's there's like, I can already sense like the entitlement there, but there's like, they don't want to have to also do the power of one there. So what do you say to that? Yeah. You're already doing the power of one in every, they're doing it everywhere else. Like,
1: why should I do it here too? So here's the thing. There's a couple of ways I like to answer this question. So we're just going to go with, I'm going to walk you through both of them. The first one is, why should I do this thing? Whether it's in your marriage, whether it's at work with your team, like there's some area of your life where you want to see a change. You're like, why should I do it? The first reason is because you're the one who wants something different. So if we, in my case, I talk to, you know, women, either married to men or married to women, and I talk to them like, well, what does your partner think about what's happening? They're like, oh, they're happy. They're fine. They could go on like this for 30 years. They don't care. So like, why do you need to be the one who does it if we talk to your boss or your team, if it's a working example, right? They're happy. They're fine. They could go on like this for 10 more years. They don't care. So the first reason is because you are the person who wants something different than how it is right now. This is just the most essential at the most basic level. The second thing is what I want to impress upon anyone listening to us right now is not that you do all the work. It is simply that you go first. And that philosophy or example bears true in any situation. So like I was mentioning Steve Jobs and Oprah as our examples, right? They had a whole team of people helping them, but they went first with the vision of, in Oprah's case, what television could be. Like she decided television should help people feel better right now. It didn't have to be tabloid TV or whatever. She had that vision and then all she went first and then she had a team of people Helping her execute that and create the thing she had the vision for. So in our personal relationships, it's the same idea. I go first. Maybe I express gratitude. Maybe I forgive first. Maybe I look for the most generous interpretation of something that happened. Maybe I'm kind. I go first. Then the person responds. Then we see. Sometimes we have to collect some data. We have to see. But that is really the essence of what's happening is not you're doing everything you're just going first
0: right and you know i wonder what you think about this because the collecting i love collecting data for anyone that knows me i like love all the evidence i love all the data i like like to analyze it all and i think that what i have found especially since i discovered coaching especially like just in my marriage of course i had such a shift in how i felt i always felt like i had a good marriage but it felt like i felt so much more connected after coaching And understanding that, oh, my thoughts about myself and my partner are creating my experience of this marriage. And so I can decide, right? Like I get to go first. And I think that the part that I wonder how many women listening to this struggle with, because I know I did, is we've gone first and I don't even have a timeline, right? So it's like, I'm gone first. I'm not even expecting something necessarily to change but things aren't as good as you want them to be. And I know that I have a tendency. So if I have a tendency, I'm wondering if anybody listening has a tendency, but it's like, we want them to be a little bit different than they are in the partnership. And we're like, well, we're doing all of these things. Look at how we're showing up. We have the generous interpretation. We're going first. When is it going to be my turn? When does the relationship start to shift? So how do you decide when you collect the data How do you sort of feel the shift in the tide?
1: I think that there's nuance to this, right? So you have a program in six months. I have a program that's six months. This is not a simple answer. I'm going to give you a simple answer for today, but for everyone listening, like there is nuance and there are situations that are going to go outside of what I'm going to explain right now. The first thing is to decide that you're going to go first, as we said, because it's who you want to be in the world, not for your partner's response. So when you say, I'm going to go first and you want to see how they respond and we're collecting data, that's from a very clean, curious place. When I say clean, that means there's no emotional attachment to the outcome. The way you presented the question, there is an emotional attachment to the outcome, which is actually very manipulative, which is, I'm going to be nice to you. So you're nice to me, which is very transactional. Yes. Yeah. It
0: feels very like, well, I was good. Like, how come you're not being good back? It's very, yeah, for sure. Yeah.
1: So what I want to say about that is often that will fail because it feels transactional to the other person and they will not be inclined to do anything because they feel like, well, the only reason you're doing this is because you want something from me. So that is not my intention. When I talk about going first, I want to make this really abundant, explicitly clear is the reason you go first goes to the first thing you said, it's because you want something different, right? Then you still want to see how your partner responds. You want to see Do they respond with delight? Do they respond with annoyance? What is their response? That allows you to determine, you know, what kind of relationship do I want? What kind of relationship do they want? Where do we overlap? Where do we not overlap? So in the going first realm, first is because of who you want to be in the world. Now, what will happen in a lot of cases in in my situation is I will work with people who have done different things. They've gone to workshops or weekend retreats or they've tried a bunch of different things before. And they'll say, "What you said this. I've already gone first. I'm like, well, but have you really? (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. Right. Like, let's be honest. Let's like really be honest about the texture of what you're going first was really like. I think that that's what you're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's
1: something that we would investigate. And that's why I say there's nuance. For some of the people listening, they really have put their best, most loving, most generous foot forward without any uh, twinge of manipulative energy whatsoever and that could be your case if you're listening to us then you say well is this the marriage that i want to have or is this the relationship i want to stay in then we have to ask some maybe difficult questions so that's one part of it the other part of it is you ask something of like well when does the marriage change right yeah like i'm like imagining this
0: road where it's like when do we start to you know together like on this journey that we're on together when do we start to kind of find a new path almost.
1: And that's where there's nuance involved because one element is how you're showing up, cleaning up your side of the table, doing things differently with no manipulative energy whatsoever, just genuinely from this is who I want to be in the world, whether it's with you or whoever's in front of me right now. That's one part of it. I want to kind of, It's not really a detour, but I want to give people a a specific example of what I mean by going first and seeing how your partner responds to make it really grounded. And then we can still investigate this a little more. But one of my favorite examples to give was even before I was a coach, I was just talking to my best friend and have her permission to share this story. She always chuckles when she hears me say it. it was many, many years ago. And she's in a completely delighted situation now. But she called me and she was frustrated with her husband. You know, as one does, you call your best friend, you're like, oh, you know, that kind of energy. And I, even back then, was like, well, have you thanked him lately for any of the things that he does to make your life easier? And she was very much not having it. She's like, why should I thank him for things he's supposed to be doing in the first place? Like, that's ridiculous. Why would you make this suggestion? And I was like, well, I don't know. I'm really happy with my husband and you seem really frustrated with yours. So I'm just giving you this, like, idea. You might want to try it. And... You know, we just kept talking. And then a couple weeks later, she calls me and she's like, oh, you're never going to believe what happened. And, you know, I'm used to believing things now. Alice in Wonderland has this quote, I believe it's eight impossible things before breakfast or something like that. Like, I believe impossible things all the time. So she's like, you're never going to believe what happened. I'm like, oh, tell me what's, what's new. It's what's, what's happening. He stopped at Starbucks and got me my favorite coffee. And he hasn't done that in five years it's amazing. It's so romantic. I love that he did that. Like, oh my gosh, that sounds so great. Like, that's so cool. So she's like, no, 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 you don't understand. I started doing that thanking thing you said. And then what happened was like, it would make him smile. And then he started thanking me for things. And then I started smiling more. And then we're just nicer to each other, like overall, even when we're not thanking each other. And now, You know, it has been five years since he's stopped at Starbucks on the way home to just do something nice just because for no reason. It's like, it's not my birthday. It's not anything special. So when I say you go first and I say, then we see, right, this is just a very concrete example of she just went first and then he didn't call me. We didn't have a conversation. Like the other person didn't need to be in the room. He was just responding naturally to the way she was showing up.
0: Yes, oh, that's so powerful. You know, this actually is bringing up this this personal experience for me. I felt like, For me, after I had, definitely after my son, and then definitely when we had, you know, both my kids, I felt like, you know, in our family, it felt kind of like we're all getting by. Like there's a sense of like, we're like kind of hitting all the mile markers and we connect as a family, but like, I wanted to be better. And I think over time, it almost becomes like you and your partner, me and my partner, it it felt like, you know, okay, we're like going through, we're going through, but like that connection, that love, that deep, like just that just deep love. It felt like it was on hold because we're taking care of these two, these two like jelly beans running around. And I remember this was after coaching. I, this was after having a really tough time with my son. I remember my, my husband is the best dad, the best dad. And I never thought to tell him. It's almost like I assumed he knew that he's so such a good dad. I assume that he just like knows how amazing of a dad he is. I never commented on it, I never thought about it. it, didn't ever take a moment to like really appreciate it. And I remember we were sitting on the couch, we'd put the kids to bed, and I was like, I just want to tell you, like, you're the best. You're the best dad. And like my husband actually, he looked so surprised. Like he was a kind of almost caught off guard that I said that. And just that one sentence, it was true. It felt so like I had to say it because it just felt so true to me. And he just, it's like what you were saying. He just had this smile on his face and you could see it's almost like his body relaxed that he was being recognized and appreciated. I think he didn't know to recognize and appreciate himself either. Right. And I was like, you're just so amazing. You're just the best dad. It's almost like, I think for me, I might do it in little moments, but it doesn't feel like this constant occurrence at all.
1: Yeah, imagine doing it every day. Oh my gosh, yeah. So one of the things I do in my program is called the Marriage MBA. And one of the things I do is we have a 30-day gratitude challenge. And it's a little bit different than maybe some of the gratitude challenges people have in general, which is you're you're focusing on gratitude towards your partner. But if you feel underappreciated in your relationship, you also do gratitude towards yourself. What are you proud of? What do you want to just thank yourself for doing? And so you could take it in both directions. And I am a big fan of doing the things I ask my clients to do. So one of the times I gave the challenge, I'm like, okay, I'm going to do the challenge too. And it's 30 days and you just check off each day. And I, you know, had all the best intentions to do it exactly how they were doing it. I was like, wait, I counted up one day, how many times I thanked my husband for something. And I think it was like seven times. And I was like, Oh, I'm not going to do this because it's just become like, I'm not going to use the checklist because it's just become like, like how I work now, how I think now. But I was fascinated to notice that we both have a culture in our relationship where we thank each other for the smallest thing. So we might be going to sleep one night. The other day, um, my husband was like, it was a weekend. He's like, ah, thank you for such a great day today. Oh, yeah. Right. So imagine that. Right. And my husband likes to cook and often, you know, cooks for our our dinners. I'm like, oh, this dinner was like delicious. Thank you for this amazing dinner that you made. But it's constantly for different things.
0: It's almost like this has become the texture of your relationship. It's like it's just happening in the background. You're not thinking very much about it.
1: It's just your automatic response. So that day that I tried to sort of quantify that, I was just going to check off one box. Right. I was like, oh, this is just how we communicate with each other. And what happens in a relationship? So gratitude and sex are two of the glues that really glue relationships together. Whenever somebody needs help in the relationship, two easy places to work on is like, how often are you having sex? What's the sex like? What's going on? Is there anything in the way? And how often do you express gratitude? And immediately we can just have quick wins just from troubleshooting those two areas and then moving on to other areas. So it's like gratitude is such a good idea.
0: You know, I think what's coming up for me, and I don't know whether this is something you hear often or if this is just me being me, but I, in my mind, I don't think this was ever conscious. It's only coming up now because you're mentioning this, the idea of offering gratitude and like saying what you appreciate, I think historically in my mind, I used to make it almost be like if I'm appreciating him, then like somehow I'm not also appreciating myself. Like it's almost like like a me or him rather than me and him. Which is so interesting because I don't consciously ever think that. Like if I recognize him, it means I, like, what about me? Like that, That. what about me piece of it, I think can get obliterated when I think we remember, wait, I can offer him gratitude and appreciation. It doesn't mean that I'm also not doing amazing things and can offer gratitude and appreciation to myself. Yeah. I wonder whether you notice that coming up a lot or is that just me being?
1: I think that's why we do the exercise where you, especially, a lot of people who come to me, they want a better marriage. They feel underseen in some way. And so we want to cultivate your own ability to see yourself, even as we cultivate what's going on with your relationship and how do you want to be seen by your partner. like It doesn't mean we ignore that part, but we do want to say, well, no, you could be proud of you. You don't have to wait for somebody else. to be- You can be proud right now. So that's why we can use it towards the partner. And you can also do 30 days of gratitude, acknowledging yourself and see what that feels like. Yeah, yeah.
0: And, you know, I also, I've been thinking about this because I have found historically, this is before coaching with my son or with my husband, this feeling like not feeling connected or not feeling that deep love was unfortunately my lived experience. Like I'm the one that is not getting to feel the connection and the love, right? So I think that sometimes, at least in, The coaching relationships that I've seen, we keep waiting for us to receive the love and to receive the feelings of connection and appreciation, but we can actually get that by appreciating the other person and loving the other person. And like, what about loving on them? You get to experience the love too.
1: Absolutely. You get to experience the love too. And it's like anything in life where you're waiting for something outside of yourself to experience the thing that you're craving what, my invitation to everyone listening, including to you, is to not wait.
0: Yes.
1: Is to like, what's in the way between me and this thing that I'm craving in the healthy, loving way. And it's really like holding to opposites. Like I know that everyone listening, we're intelligent humans. We can think in nuanced ways and we can hold a paradox or a duality at the same time. So do we live in community with others and do their reactions matter? Yes, 100%. But do we have so much control over our internal experience of how we experience their reactions and how we can cultivate something that we're craving, like appreciation? Also, yes. It's like one thing doesn't make the other thing less true. And we do navigate how to manage both our relationship with other humans and our relationship with ourselves. But just waiting for another human to give us that thing that we want, it's like, wait, how do I show up like embodying that thing? That I want,
0: you know. I I wonder because it's like the very first thought that comes to me when you mention that. What's ever in the way of offering gratitude or being intimate, having sex with your partner? It's like, it's like if you don't feel love, if you don't feel the connection, especially for women. This is like as an OBGYN. I remember I would see so many of my patients, especially after the age after they had kids for sure. There'd be a time period where they would come and they really felt at a loss, like low libido, just they don't have desire, but they know that they want to be in this partnership. They want their relationship to be better, but they have no desire. They're not feeling connected. They're not feeling the love. Maybe some of it is, of course, when you're immediately postpartum, but I just mean in general, after having kids, I think this is such a common one. And I think that that's a big obstacle, this feeling, at least it feels like a big obstacle to me, is well, I don't feel connected. I don't feel love. I don't feel the desire. And so then because I'm not having the feeling, I don't take the action of initiating intimacy or offering appreciation or offering. I don't take those actions because I'm not feeling those emotions. So what would you, what do you say to that?
1: I think we have to investigate why that's happening. It's easy to say, I feel no desire, but it's a little harder to say, well, why don't you feel desire? Oh, for the last seven days, I've worked for 12 hours. And before then, you know, in the case of of having a baby or something, my mother-in-law was living in my house for the last three months helping me with the baby. Like in Latin and Latin culture, that would be a very common thing that would happen is like a family member or somebody would come and help with the baby. And so is it actually no desire or is it something physiological? Is it something practical? Like how many hours am I working? At what point, it's almost like, do I have space to feel desire? At all. So it's the label we give it. Oh, I just don't feel any desire. But if we ask a few questions, we can determine are you exhausted? Are you having something else going on? Is it something physiological, hormonal that you do need to have the support of, of someone on your medical team to run some tests and check and see? Right. Do we need to rule any of that out or not? And then there's how are you relating with your partner? So maybe the baby came. I've seen this a lot where partners are really wonderful at being partners. And then you have this idea of how they're going to be as parents, and then they're not that. And then there's this disappointment that is happening and a grief for the thing you thought was going to be and how you were going to handle it. And then it's not that anymore. So notice that with no desire, we could have just in this one set of examples, six different reasons, right? Like it could be I'm exhausted. It could be <laughs> I have a family member here and it just, you know, I don't feel whatever. It could be I have all these thoughts about how my partner should be showing up and they're not. All of these different things could be influencing something that appears as no desire, but it's really if we get underneath it, there's things that are solvable in that that could create desire.
0: Yes. I, that's so good. I love that you said that. This is, it actually kind of makes me think about like if you think about a model and really imagine, okay, I don't feel like connecting. I don't feel like being intimate. And it's because I have no desire. I think most people kind of, that's the full stop. That's like the end of the sentence. And like that kind of creates a drift in the relationship because we stop connecting, right? But what you're saying, I think is, okay, we are saying I have no desire, but I want this relationship. I have desire and I want to have desire. I don't have it now, but it's something that I want for my future. So like asking the question, I wonder why. I don't have the desire rather than assuming I just don't have desire, like end of sentence. And it's
1: gone forever and there's nothing else to do about it. Yeah.
0: That's right. And I, and you know, this actually speaks to a lot of like my, my experience. I remember as a physician, like the top two reasons that people would have low libido if it wasn't like an anatomical or physiologic situation, it was fatigue and stress. I mean, fatigue and stress, and I think the issue is, especially for high achievers who don't have coaching support, is they don't know how to get to the root cause of their fatigue and stress, and so we kind of keep putting the band aid solutions on, right? Let me go out for a mani-pedi, and maybe now I won't. Maybe now I'll feel relaxed, relaxed, and that's not where we solve fatigue and stress from, as you and I know. It's actually solving your fatigue and stress might actually be the answer to desire. Of course, looking into the other reasons, but that's so important to look at if you feel that, to ask why.
1: There's a great book called Come As You Are by Emily Nagoski that talks about the science of sex in a very approachable, easy way to understand. I always recommend this book. And one of the things she talks about there is this exactly, is in order to understand and really unleash our sexual self, we have to understand how stress appears in our life and in our bodies. And another thing she talks about there, and there's a name for this theory that escapes me right now, but basically the essence of it is you have accelerators and you have brakes. There are things that turn you on and there's things that turn you off. So whether it's a new baby who has come to the family, whether it's a new job, whether you just moved, whether your kids changed schools, like there are things happening in your life that can contribute to your turn ons and your turn-offs. And just knowing, oh, you know what turns me on? When I have spaciousness, when it, when maybe I enjoy having sex in the morning and I always try to have it at night. It could be that simple for some people. It's like, wait, what is it that I need? For some other people, now you have two kids instead of one. Maybe you've moved around how you are in the house and now just having the door closed you still have that part of you that's like, what if they knock on the door? What if something's going on? What if something's happening? Right. And then it's like, wait, okay, that's a turn off. Exactly. Yeah. How do we, what do we need to do? Do they need to be outside of the house? Do we need to send them on a play date? What needs to happen so that you can relax?
0: Yeah. And I love that. First of all, we're, we're totally taking the direction of the conversation to having sex with your partner. But the other thing that I think is also super important, I'm curious how you coach on this, but at least as a physician, I, I remember I would talk to my patients about this, is being really honest in a conversation with your partner about it. I think because the topic often, I don't know about often, but at least for the patients that I would see, it felt almost like they felt a little ashamed. They felt embarrassed. There was like, the topic is, it's almost like this taboo topic that we don't talk about so freely that they also wouldn't talk about it with themselves or with their partners, maybe with their bestie, like, right. Maybe with your girlfriends, you like are able to have this conversation, but somehow you're not able to have that honest, maybe it feels vulnerable conversation with your partner. And so not surprisingly there's a disconnect with what their expectations are, what your desires are. And like, how do you start, instead of drifting apart, how do you start coming closer together? It has to start with actually sharing like where you are in the conversation. What do you think about that from like a coaching perspective?
1: hundred percent. So part of that whole gratitude is if we think about it, like making deposits in an emotional bank account. So the idea of an emotional bank account is something that the Gottman Institute talks and teaches about, which is like, we make all these deposits. And then when we need to make a withdrawal, there's something there to withdraw. If we don't make any deposits, when there's something to withdraw, we go like emotionally bankrupt. There's nothing there to support this withdrawal. So when we're expressing gratitude and we're just laughing and having a good time, and then we need to talk about something serious, it's like, oh, we have so much goodwill stored up between the two of us. We could just bring something up and it's okay. But if we have no goodwill stored up between the two of us, it makes it much harder So that's one piece of it. The other thing you mentioned is how people don't talk even to their friends or sometimes maybe they do to their friends. I have given for coaching homework so many times, go make a friend because sometimes we put all our emotional eggs in one basket, which is in our partner's basket. And that is not good for any relationship. Having other people you can talk to, very often I'll ask people, who else have you talked to about this? Like who else are you sharing this with? And very often the answer is no one. And my you do group programs and I do group programs where you have people on the same journey in a constructive way, in a powerful way, being able to talk about really delicate things, whether it's weight loss or or my marriage, that are going to embrace it and not make anybody the villain, just be like, oh, I'm here for you, girl, you know, kind of vibe.
0: Yeah. It's and so I think important. like even in that, it's it's like what I love about I think like a group coaching experience is you get to validate. That you're not alone in this, and and this is the piece I think, especially at, I, I feel like there's there's something that that high achieving women like there's something about they're so powerful they're so strong they know that they're like kickass leaders, and yet sometimes there's a loneliness with that experience, and I think kind of being in a group coaching container or even in a in a marriage or partnership like being able to talk about it out loud. Out of your own brain, I think it number one, you get to become so much more aware of what is happening for you. And number two, and and this is, I'm just going to go on a little tangent. I think that sometimes you think you know what's in your head. When you start talking, you're like, whoa, what did that come
1: from? Where did that even come
0: from? I had no idea I had some, you know, some of these subconscious paradigms driving me. But, and I think the second piece is like, then you get to start validating it, knowing you're not alone. You hear somebody else have that, or your partner might actually mirror back to you. The same things. Like you have this desire, and they actually might have the desire to you, just haven't talked about it. That's so good. And so, when you think about like really taking that step, that first step where you are saying, Okay, I know that I want something. I know that I'm the one that wants it. I want to go first. Maybe right now I'm not feeling the desire or the connection or the love. And so, I have not been taking the action of initiating or recognizing. Do you have like any kind of tangible steps or tips for like how to take that very first step? I feel like that very first few steps sometimes feel the hardest. And then once you start taking them, you get into a rhythm. What are your thoughts on
1: that? I think, I mean, you could take it from a lot of angles. The simplest thing I would say is like, what kind of relationship do I want to have? Do I want us to be loving and kind to each other? Do I want us to be supportive? What do I want? For so many women, that's a very hard question to answer because we have prioritized everyone else instead of ourselves for many, many years very often. And we have lost touch with what we want. And so I say that it sounds simple, but I know some of you are going to hear that and be like, I don't even know.
0: Oh, that's such a common answer. I don't know. You think you know, You don't know when you, until you get asked the question.
1: Yeah. You don't so, actually know. Yeah. But we do need to figure that out because that's going to dictate what our first steps are, right? If I want more appreciation, I'm going to go in that direction. If I want more sex, I'm going to go in a different direction, right? If I want a vacation or if I want to change my schedule, like what I want informs the actions that we take. So I would say the next question is someone very often I get asked is like, well, if I don't know what I want, then what do I do, right? And here's my invitation that for anybody who feels disconnected from their own wanting, is to just start this evening or start tomorrow with noticing what you want to wear, what you want to eat, where you want to go for lunch. Start noticing the small wants and connecting with the small. If you're that person that anybody asks you to lunch and you're like, where do you want to go? Pick a place. Pick a place that you want. Yes. Let yourself feel a little bit uncomfortable. And you pick a place. If it's the show you're going to watch on TV tonight, you pick the show, right? Just to practice in a very tiny, non-threatening ways, right? If you're like, I want to go to Bali for six months. Don't start with that. Right, right. (laughs) That's not the point. Oh, I
0: love this. Yes. It's almost like the image that I'm getting in my mind. It's like this little muscle that that's always been there. It's like, not we're not inventing a muscle. We're not inserting a muscle into your body. Like it's all already there. And as children, we all had it. It was actually very powerful as children. And, and it's somewhere along the way, it just atrophied because of society and programming and all the things we learn, as, especially as women. But I think what you're talking about is it feels like such a safe way to practice flexing the muscle again. And it's gonna feel a little uncomfortable, but it's in small moments. And then you get to see, oh, like, I survived that, and uh, whoa, and and I got to watch my show, and I got to pick. Oh, okay, so I not only did I survive, but I also got something that I wanted. And look at me, I feel so good about that. And then you can like dial up the volume on how you do that.
1: I think that just for fun, you could allow yourself to want something really outlandish. Just one of the things we do is we think, well, I can't have that, so I'm not going to give myself permission to want it, and then we we taper down our own desire. So, for example, someone listening to us right now might want to be a guest on your show one day. That might be their dream. Allow yourself to want it. Don't all email Priyanka at the same time, but allow yourself to hold that in your heart. Right? I'm from Miami and I grew up in Miami and I always joke around that I would like to go to Gloria Stefan's house and have lemonade on her porch and her patio, but on the bay, looking at the bay. And... I know that's unlikely to occur, but I delight in allowing myself to just have that be something I want. I think it would be cool. I think it would be fun, right? Yeah. Oh, that's so, and
0: I think that what gets in the way of that sometimes, I'm curious if this has been your experience with your clients, but I think what gets in the way is we want to be practical. And so what we, I call it like the guise of practicality because I think it's a guise. I don't think it's real practicality. Practically, you could totally go to her house, right? But- We have this guise of practicality thinking that if I allow my wants to be big, if I allow it to kind of come to the daylight for my wants to be heard, then I'm going to be so disappointed when it doesn't happen. And it's like we're trying to be practical and protecting ourselves from disappointment, which is why the muscle atrophies.
1: Yes. And think about that. Like, you're just disappointed ahead of time. You're just saying, no, I want that, but I can't have it. You're deciding ahead of time that you're not going to get it as opposed to, well, what would need to happen for me to go to Gloria Stefan's house? Maybe I'll write an article for a magazine. Maybe she'll read it. Maybe I'll pitch her some special thing. I don't know. I mean, if I really wanted it more deeply, I might do something about it. But right I mean, now, Maggie, you would totally figure out how to
0: do this. I'm sure I you would. would probably
1: figure <laughs> it out. But right now, my growth is just to allow myself to want it and be in the wanting of it and let that be. Okay.
0: Yes. I almost want like like a theme of this episode anybody listening to know that it's it's okay to want even in your relationship. It's okay to want a better relationship. It doesn't mean anything is bad. It's okay to want it to be better. It's like okay to want things and to give yourself permission and there's safety in wanting even when it might start out uncomfortable. I think that this is definitely for me too. Like everything you're saying. It's like I know that I have allowed myself to want in certain areas. And I think that what I've done, I think a lot of women do this, is if it also serves other women, then yeah, then it's almost like my wants are more justified or maybe they're- Like it's allowed. Yeah, it's more noble. It's like if I'm helping women, you know, like for, for my business, if I'm helping other women, then it feels like a more noble reason to want to do and work on my business and invest in my business and take my business to the next level because I'm serving women, right? Rather than I can just want it Just for me, because I want it. And I think that that is a piece, like this idea of nobility, and like it's shameful to want something just for you, like it's selfish. I think that that is a huge, huge, huge roadblock. It's just like programming for so many women,
1: and that's one of the places where then to just to tie it to what you do all the time is then we overeat because we didn't let ourselves want any of the other really substantial things we actually want. But then I I can eat the Oreos, so I'm going to eat that.
0: Yeah. It's like, I at least deserve this, right? And, and what we are choosing is the lowest common denominator thing. There are so many better things. Yeah.
1: As opposed to like, what do I deeply want? What lights me up? What if I wanted that? And what if you had permission to want it, even if it helped no one? The thing is when women are blessed or grow in their careers and their business, whenever we do cool stuff on earth, everybody wins, like always, every time. But it doesn't have to be that everybody wins. Just us winning is enough, right? It's an interesting thing to ask ourselves. I kind of, sometimes I give myself things to think about. I was recently at a a business event when we were talking about making money as women business owners. And somebody said, well, you know, it's not about the money for me. I'm like, why not? Because we're culturally programmed as women. Our impact is the most important thing. But I was like, you know, what if I just want to make a lot of money and I just am interested in the money. And what if I transform thousands of marriages in the process of making these piles of money I want to make? Like, who cares? Who cares if I want the money? I do want to have an impact. That is real, right? But I just take my, pla- my brain to this place where it's like, but what if it didn't even matter? What if I just helped all of these people <laughs> express more gratitude and have more sex and live better lives just because I wanted piles of money? Why not?
0: Yes, and you know actually what you were saying at the very start of this episode kind of tying back into that like first of all nobody else has to benefit from it doesn't have to be a noble cause but I think that like just the way that the universe works there's no way around it when you change when you transform your brain when you level up every part of your life when you allow your wants to be heard when you stop overeating when you repair a marriage or connect or love more because you change in doing that, like everything in your orbit will have to change because of what you were saying at the start. Remember Systems you were saying? Systems theory. Systems theory, like everything in your life changes. This is literally, I mean, I remember, I shared this on the podcast before, but I got into coaching because of weight loss. I weighed 200 pounds, wanted to lose the weight. That's how I discovered coaching. That was my avenue in. But all of these avenues, whether you come in because of your marriage or because of coaching, what you really are changing is your relationship with yourself, Always. And the impact of that on your family, on your work, on your society. The ripple effect is uncalculable. Yes.
1: Uncalculable.
0: Yeah. And my husband recognized it, who's not like, you know, for him to recognize, you know, because of that coaching thing that you did, like you've changed the trajectory of our children's lives. For him to say that, that was like a moment that he was appreciating me. And I was caught off guard, you know, because that's not his typical style. He's a very logical techie kind of person, but he was like that it's changed them. And then it changes generations because of systems theory. It's so good. So fun. Okay. So I feel like we have been talking everybody really to really understand that relationships deserve your attention if you want it. And it's available to you. Maggie, how can people find you? How can they hear more about you? How can they work with you? Tell us everything. We're gonna have to do this again.
1: I love it so much. So my website is Reyes.com. So it's M-A-G-G-I-E-R-E-Y-E-S.com. Anything that I'm up to, you will always be able to find it there. I like to hang out on Instagram too. I'm at the Maggie Reyes on Instagram. If you want to share your takeaway from this episode, I'd love to hear it. Tag us and tell us. We love to celebrate that. What's your Instagram?
0: The Unstoppable Mom Brain.
1: The Unstoppable Mom Brain. Be Maggie Reyes. Tag us and tell us your favorite part. Are you going to express gratitude? Are you going to allow yourself to want something? We want to know. So those are the two best places to just check out whatever's happening in my
0: world. I love it. And everybody check out her podcast. Check out her group. I'm going to have all of your information in the show notes for anyone that missed the spellings of things. Like You can always go find out right there. And I just love these conversations. Seriously, like these podcast conversations for me have become one of my delights about the podcast where I get to bring on people that I think of as my friends, people that have inspired me. And Maggie is one of those people that I I don't think of you as just a friend. I think of you as someone that has inspired me. You have coached me hard in the past and I love it so much. And I just think you are amazing and so valuable. So thank you for what you do. And everyone, I hope you enjoyed this episode and we will see you back next week. Bye. Friends, the Unstoppable Group is a six-month coaching experience for high-achieving working moms who want to reach their ideal weight with more ease and they're ready to do it now. You know that this is going to be for you if you just know that something has to change and you want to create it now. Run and do not walk to go and book your free consult with me right now. On this call, we are going to talk about everything. We're going to talk about what you've tried, what's worked, and what hasn't. And the most important question is we're going to get to why. It is never your time. It's never the length of your task list. It's never any of the things outside of you that is keeping you from reaching your ideal weight. On this consult call, you and I are going to walk through exactly what your unique struggles have been, and then I'm going to share with you my step-by-step process that I take my clients through to solve this problem for good. I have a success formula that works. It takes into the high-achieving working mom's brain in mind, and it really pulls on the common threads that tie high achievers together. This is a room that will push you in the best way, and it is also the most supportive experience that you can imagine. Putting yourself in a room with other high achievers like you is a game changer. High-achieving working moms often hold a badge of honor at how much they're doing, but for this, I want you to know that you do not have to do it alone anymore. You can get all of the details about the group over at theunstoppablemombrain.com forward slash group. And then don't wait to book your free console with me to determine if we are going to be a best fit. There's absolutely no obligation to join. We are just going to determine whether we would be best fit to work together. You can head over to theunstoppablemombrain.com forward slash connect to grab your console spot. These spots are limited and they will fill. So don't wait another day to go and grab yours now. I cannot wait to see you on a call. Thanks for listening to The Unstoppable Mom brain Podcast. It's been an honor spending this time with you and your brilliant brain. If you want more resources or information from the show, head on over to TheUnstoppableMomBrain.com.